Hello and welcome back to the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. This is a podcast where we remind ourselves that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. We are continuing with the theme of The Struggle is Real. Brother Jordan Pugh is back with us from the When the Scriptures Become Real podcast. And we're going to discuss another topic relating to the struggle that is real. And we're talking about struggling to move forward. Jordan, I appreciate you joining us for another week of the podcast. Yeah, man. Glad to be here. Glad to uh, continue this series with you. It's been such an awesome study so far, and I'm really looking forward to uh, to this topic today, and I really hope this can help some people. Amen. I certainly hope so. I think that this is something that is a common struggle to all of us. You know, sometimes we get to feeling like we're just stuck in neutral as a Christian. Uh, we're stagnating. We're not growing like we should. And that's all of us at some point and probably multiple points in our journey as Christians. So uh, hopefully we are growing currently, but if you're listening to this and you are a Christian, but you feel like you're not growing as you properly should, stay tuned. We're going to talk about some some people uh, that uh, are found in the Bible. You're in good company because there were lots of examples of folks who found themselves in similar situations. So whether it is that you feel like you're neutral or you're in reverse, you know, going the wrong way, Again, you're in good company, and so let's uh, encourage one another on this week's episode. Have you ever felt like you're in neutral or you're struggling to to keep going, Jordan? A thousand trillion billion percent, bro. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. We've all been there, man, and it's it's a weird feeling, man. It's a it feels like a almost like you're stuck, and you know you want to continue but you don't know how to do that yet. And so, you know, you don't really know what to do and you're asking and you're, you're kind of confused. And so now you're kind of in this state where, you know, maybe you just stay still or maybe you try to, you work so hard, but you're still not moving forward. So it could, it could be a difficult thing to, uh, to get out of. Yeah, absolutely. Did you ever run a track and field or anything? I never did. I should have though. Basketball. Yeah, yeah, basketball for sure. Basketball, okay. How does it feel running back and forth on that that quarter about a hundred times a game? Oh, they exhaust you, man. <laughs> right. exhaust you. You're, you're done. You're done yeah. by the end of the game. Right. So uh, baseball is more my my sport. Um, get to stand around a lot and not nearly <laughs> as much running, except for around the bases. But uh, but anyways, uh, we understand the analogy. There's a lot yeah. of running, whether it's basketball, soccer, or track and field. Uh, Oh, what do they call it? The uh, the running uh, cross country. Yeah, you're running long distances. And how about a marathon? You know, yeah. I forget however many uh, kilometers or miles or what it is, but it's a long distance. Well, that's Christianity. Christianity yeah. is a long distance marathon. It's not a sprint. And you've got to keep going. I'm reminded of Hebrews 12, uh, verse number one. It yeah. says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, what cloud, what cloud of witnesses? Hebrews chapter 11, uh, by all faith, <laughs> all these different people, the Hall of Fame of Faith, they uh, by faith, they obeyed God. So we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and it says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And then it goes on and it talks about how we have to keep our eyes on Jesus as we're doing that. Endurance, that's what it's all about. You know, we're talking about struggling with moving forward, struggling with continuing that race. 
Paul, uh, at the end of his life, he talked about how he had fought a good fight. He had kept his course. He had finished his race. That's what we want for all of us when we get to the end of our lives as Christians. So let's let's keep going on this marathon. Let's keep, uh, you know, if we fall down, let's get back up again. Let's help one another when we fall. You know, Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So that's really a crucial theme of the Christian life. And uh, we've got to remember that when when we find ourselves stuck in neutral. So Mm -hmm. I want us to spend the majority of our time on this episode talking about different Bible characters. And, uh, of course, character, sometimes I I say that character may may not be exactly the, the right term to use because these were historical individuals. Sometimes I think when we say character, we get this idea that that it was a story. But these are people who actually lived historically in the Bible that found themselves in these situations that we're talking about. They were stuck in neutral, or they were going in reverse. How did they get back up, and how did they keep going? So I've got several on my list, and Jordan, if you have any others you want to add to this, definitely feel free to do that. But... uh, I want to start by talking about Elijah. Hmm. Elijah is one of my favorite people in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I love the story of Elijah. You know, Elijah had tremendous ups and downs uh, in his his uh, ministry, in his being a prophet. In 1 Kings uh, 19, verse 4, Elijah comes to a point in his life. He sits down under a juniper tree, and he says... It is enough. Elijah just wanted to die at that point. In, in fact, he tells God, just paraphrasing, but he says, you know, just kill me. It is enough. Elijah, the reason he felt that way, if you keep reading throughout those surrounding chapters, he felt that way because he thought that he was the only one. He thought he was the only one who was striving to serve God. Well, Elijah was not the only one. God ends up telling him that there were 7,000 in Israel who had not bowed the knee to Baal. So that's encouragement number one for us is we need to remember, like Elijah, sometimes we may get to feeling down and maybe even downright depressed. Mm -hmm. And maybe we feel like we're on an island. We've got all these people around us and none of them are Christians or, or very few of them are Christians. And we're down about that, and it gets us in neutral or reverse, and we slip into sin. We need to remember who we are, and we need to remember the God that we serve. We need to keep our eyes on Christ, again, Hebrews 12, verse 2, and run with endurance that race that's set before us, Hebrews 12, verse 1. So do you have any thoughts on Elijah? And and then we'll let you give uh, maybe another example of somebody in the Bible that we can learn from here. I love that text too, man. First Kings 19. That is such a incredible text just to read over and over and to see that these people, like you said, these were real people. They, they dealt with real problems and issues and emotions as we deal with them today. <clears throat> what I love about Elisha is the crux of his issue and his problem at the beginning of the text. There's no one else here. right? There's, there's no one else here. And, and my work that I'm doing for God, it's either coming to an end or it's going to end. Like, I just can't, I can't sustain this. I can't sustain what I'm doing. And it's interesting what the Lord does with Elijah is instead of 
talking to him directly first and addressing the problem, he addresses his human need first a couple times. Just sit and eat for a little bit. Just rest. And I think sometimes that can be the crux of our issue is sometimes we take really good things that we're doing for God. And because it's really good, we don't know how to stop. So because we don't know how to stop, then that gets overwhelming. Plus, if you have like yourself and others, family stuff, then you got kids stuff and you got congregational stuff and all. So now all this stuff is kind of in this giant ball and now you don't know what to do, but you force yourself to keep going because it's for God. Mm -hmm. God never told us to wear yourself out. Yeah. Burnout. So we, and what's interesting about that chase is 99.9% of the time, it's not necessarily the work that burns you out. It's us. So the work that Elijah was doing was great, but he didn't, he didn't know like others and myself included, Look, look, man, you got to rest. You have yeah. to rest and take care of yourself. And we learn that from Jesus when he gets on the scene, right, in Matthew and Luke. And we see Jesus just sitting and praying and resting and taking time. He would literally tell his disciples, hey, I got to go off. I, just stay here. I need to go talk with my father. Just And that's that's so great for me, Chase. Imagine those conversations with the father. What do you think, you know, Jesus and the father were talking about? But just Jesus was totally drained from all of that stuff he was doing all day. I just need time. Yeah. And that's our Lord talking. But we think we're Superman. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're, the, the rest that you need is so vital to your work. Because in order to do the Lord's work correctly, it's not about the volume of the work you could do for him. It's never been about that. It's been about how effective can you be with what he's given you. You're not the only one that's going to do the Lord's work. There's other guys out there. Yeah, that, that is a great point. You know, Mark 6, verse 31, Jesus told not, you know, Jesus emphasized not only the importance of his own rest, but also he told the disciples around him, hey, you need to rest too. Uh, Mark 6, 31, it says, come away with me. Let us go alone to be to mm -hmm. a, a quiet place and rest for a while. Many people were coming and going. They could not even eat, <laughs> especially those of us who have been in ministry sometimes we've had those days where yeah. you know you, you get a phone call and you've got to you've got to run somewhere and there then you get another phone call and you got to run somewhere go. <laughs> you just rushed rushed and we got to make sure and and uh, take time to recuperate so we can keep going and we can uh, you know not burn out i can't remember what the, uh, the slogan is for polishing the pulpit renew refresh i think something. recharge right recharge like right we yeah. need that we absolutely yeah. need that, all of us as Christians. So that's a great point. And I think it's important too, Chase, is because you can feel uh, – what's the right word? You can kind of feel guilty for saying this because what you're doing is good or what others want you to do is really good. You know, it's okay, Christians, to say no. It's not a sin. It's not a sin. Just because Jordan Pugh doesn't do this doesn't mean the, the work's not going to get done. There's there's other faithful brethren and, and families that can are more than capable of helping, but it's okay. It's okay to say no. You don't have to be mean or I think I'm gonna pass on that. But if you need some advice, help, whatever, I can do that, but not right now. It's okay. Yep. It's okay because you don't need to put so much on yourself that you overbear. And I think what this does, and especially especially at my time at school being the youth minister and kind of starting that before getting to full time ministry. That's what you see certain families go through is 
it, it becomes so much that the kids begin to resent their father, their mother, the congregation. And the side effects of all these things, we don't necessarily see it in the moment, but down the line, I mean, it'll start bearing some fruit that you don't want to, you don't want yeah. to want. 10, 10, 15 so, years later, it shows up. It shows up. It shows up and it's festering in, in these families. And, you know, it's okay to say, no, I'm going to spend some time with my family today. Or I'm yep. going to spend some time with whoever today or whatever the case might be. It's okay. Yep. You're exactly right. Uh, you Do you have a, a uh, person in the Bible or two you want to mention? Yeah. I think when you talk about um, <clears throat> burnout, I think uh, obviously you have David on the list, which is incredible. <clears throat> but I think an, another person in scripture that is extremely important when it talks about kind of being neutral and not knowing what to do. Um, I brought up in the last podcast, but specifically the prodigal in Luke 15, you know, wanting to take on so much, you know, we kind of forget the inheritance part at the beginning. Hey, I want it now. <laughs> Give me my inheritance now. So essentially, he's telling his father, I want you to pass so that I can have what's important to me right now. And so sometimes we want things so quickly, uh, maybe in some ego, maybe in pride, whatever the case might be. But you begin to realize quickly that you're not ready <laughs> for what, what you've taken on, right? And, and sometimes, you know, you got to get knocked down at times. And I think the, the, the struggle that we face can sometimes be self-inflicted. Now, in Elijah's case that you mentioned, obviously there were things happening around him. There's no doubt about that with Jezebel and others. But with the prodigal, he caused that. Yep. This is something that I want. I just want more of right now. And sometimes when you realize that you you bit off a little bit more than what you could chew, then you realize, okay, I, I caused this, and maybe maybe I got to humble myself and get better. So I think the prodigal man is. I think a lot of it we cause it too. Yeah, we can we can blame the outward circumstances, but I think a lot of it is on us. I think we cause it too. That's a great point. You know, I think about how. It could be the case that maybe we've made some decisions that weren't the best, like the prodigal did. I mean, his his decision was downright sinful. But yeah. even if maybe it wasn't a sinful decision, but it wasn't the most wise decision and something mm -hmm. we've done, something we've uh, pushed towards, etc. Sometimes we may have to go back and say, you know what, I'm changing directions. Yeah. Because this is for the good of my spiritual life and my family's spiritual life for us to go this direction now instead of whatever other direction we went that was harming us spiritually. So I think that's a great point from uh, Luke chapter 15 with the prodigal. Another one that I had was Jeremiah. If Elijah is my favorite, Jeremiah is right there with him. So Jeremiah is a wonderful prophet. He uh, He preached the truth when you know during a time when the people could not even blush at their sin they were so openly rebellious that it didn't bother them whatsoever and jeremiah was treated very very harshly for preaching the truth i mean he had his his scroll torn torn up from him and uh he had you know they put him in a pit they gave him death threats just all kinds of terrible stuff they did to uh, jeremiah Jeremiah comes to a point in Jeremiah chapter 20 where he felt like throwing in the towel. He felt like giving up. And I, I think we have to be honest. And if we're honest, I think most of us have been there, right there with Jeremiah. But if you go to Jeremiah chapter 20 and you look at verse number 9, we see that uh, 
although Jeremiah wanted to give up, ultimately he couldn't do it. The word of God was within him in such a way that he he said, you know what, I've got to keep going, and I've got to keep proclaiming the word. So Jeremiah 20, verse 9, it said, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, talking about God, or speak any more in his name, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. You read the verses around that, and you can see just how bad it was for Jeremiah. He talks about how he was a derision daily. Everybody was mocking him. But uh, verse 10 talks about how they were going to report him. You know, we're reporting you. You're, you're going to be in trouble. They were watching for his stumbling. Verse 11, he acknowledges, but the Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. We need to remember that as Christians. When we feel like giving up, when we feel like, you know, we're not growing, so I might as well just quit. You feel like Jeremiah. Remember that God is the mighty one whom we serve. And so let's not give up on him. He's not going to give up on us, but we don't need to give up on God either. So any thoughts on that? I, I love that text, man. I, I'm reminded of how the book starts in Jeremiah chapter one, when Jeremiah is called to preach the things that the Lord was saying to him. He would say things like, I've known you from the womb. I formed you. I know who you are. Don't be afraid of their faces. Don't be afraid of what they'll say. So he's getting all of this essentially spiritual, almost insurance that if you do what I tell you to do, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. And now from chapter one, all the way to 20, everything that you mentioned that happened to him, it's almost like it just keeps coming and it keeps coming and it gets harder and harder. And I love how Jeremiah gets to the point in verse seven where he says, Lord, you tricked me. He said, you deceived me. And he said, I was deceived. He said, you're stronger than I am and you prevail. So the, the mindset of, I just don't even want to do this anymore. I thought this was, and isn't it interesting, Chase, that that's our Christian life at times? You know, you, you hear about the promises, you hear about the love of God, you hear about all these things, and then things happen and life gets harder because of who you are now. And so now in your mind, you have the same conversation in your head that Jeremiah, this is a trick. You, you tricked me. You deceived me. This is not what I thought it would be. And so I love the, the, the struggle that's happening between not just Jeremiah, but everybody that we're looking at. There's always kind of like this, uh, like this tug of war. And if you haven't had that in your life, it's coming. Yeah, <laughs> just, exactly. Just being honest with you, it, it's coming. But it, it's almost, in a sense, Chase, it's almost kind of healthy. Because what this does is this gives your trust and your dependence and your humility. It takes yourself out of the picture. You're learning to fight yourself. So once you realize, I can't win this thing, God, I'm just submissive to what you want. Yep. Once you realize, I can't do it. And that man, that that road man, at least for me personally, I mean, that, that was a... I was almost at seven to eight year process, man. Yeah, it's I it's mean, a tough pill to swallow. Preaching school. Yeah, I mean, I want to talk about before. I mean, this is something that you thought things were going to be different in terms of how you preach and things of that nature. The process, man. This is not an overnight thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I love the endurance example that you brought up because it's it's a real thing. This is a 
it's not about outrunning another brother or outrunning something. It's about you got to stay on pace and you have to let the Lord work on you and mold you. And that process of molding, the process hurts. The process of molding hurts. But he's the one. If we're the potter, we got we got to be the clay. And if he wants you in heat right now, that's where he wants you. Yeah, great points. You know, uh, I think about persecution. Jeremiah endured persecution. So did Elijah. Uh, persecution makes us stronger. It refines yeah. us. It refines yeah. us uh, like gold in the fire. And so mm-hmm. we need to remember that. Don't let us. Don't let it get us down. You know, I think this is a microcosm of the things compared to the things that Elijah and Jeremiah face. But mm-hmm. some of our listeners might be going through. Maybe they converted to you know biblical Christianity, and they're their family doesn't like that. They're getting some mistreatment from family members. You know, you think about the things Jeremiah and Elijah went through. Oh, so much worse because, you know, they're getting death threats and things like that. But family pressure is still really tough. Mm-hmm. And when you're ostracized by your family because, you know, maybe even let's say someone is uh, told not to come back, you know, don't you're not welcome at the holidays or whatnot. That's pretty tough. That's some tough persecution, and it'll it'll knock you down. It'll make you second guess, like you were talking about. We need to remember, though, whom we have believed in, and you know we're persuaded that He is able to keep that which He has committed unto us against that day. You know, to quote from Paul, and also the song that quotes from Paul. Yeah. Uh, we need to remember those promises that He gave us, and that'll help us keep going. What else? And that point that you, the point you just brought up, Chase, I actually met somebody a couple weeks ago in that same situation. There was at the congregation where you've been, where Avery's at at Arnold. <clears throat> and we had a two conference kind of for our college age. And there was a guy that I met there that was just converted. And uh, we were talking about um, the love of God. And we were talking about how we are to treat others, Matthew 5. And we were looking at certain things from the Sermon on the Mount. And he raised his hand and he said, man, my family doesn't accept this. You know, the, the stuff about, you know, loving your neighbor and the stuff about, you know, going two miles and not one mile. And if you're slapped on one cheek, turn the other. He said, man, I don't know if I can do it. He was honest in a class full of people. He raised his hand. He said, Jordan, I don't, I don't know if I can do this, man. And if you're in that state, if you're listening, here's the answer. And I know it's going to sound weird. But it's true. You can't do it. It's not of you to do it. Only through Christ, you can do it. Because remember, he said, without me, you can do nothing. So because of who he is, that's how you can love your neighbor. That's how you can love your brethren. That's how you can walk a mile if you're compelled and you can go too. It's not out of you. It's out of his strength. You know, Paul, I'm reminded of what Paul mentioned. You know, when I'm weak. That's actually when I'm strong because it's not me doing it. It's him. So as you learn and as you grow, you understand this this thing to love, love these brethren, love people and love family. This is this is Christ. And I'm doing what he said. Yeah. Uh, the famous passage, Philippians four, you know, everybody's yeah. familiar with verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's where our strength is found. But if right. you notice the verses right before that. Verse 11 and following, it says, mm-hmm. not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. 
Well, what in what state are you content, Paul? Verse 12, I know how to be abased and I know how to, be, to abound everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So Paul is saying in the good times and the bad times, I can still be sustained through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to mention this later, but we'll go ahead and mention Paul now because he's another good example of somebody who had to have had you know low points in, in his ministry and probably mm-hmm. mo- moments where he felt like maybe he wasn't neutral, but he kept the faith. As we said earlier, he finished his course. He finished his race. Mm-hmm. He kept the faith. He, he fought a good fight. Mm-hmm. What kind of things did Paul go through? Well, you turn to Second Corinthians chapter eleven, and you'll mm. see. You'll so see I'm it. Read, <laughs> I want to go read this, and sometimes when I'm teaching through this section, I, I ask the questions. You know, have you went through any any of these things for Christ? No, you haven't. Well, whatever you're going through, then compare it to what Paul went through, and if Paul could have gotten through these things, then surely we can get through whatever we're struggling with. And that's not to minimize our struggles because our right. the struggle is real. That's the theme of this season. <laughs> the struggle is real. But when we read the things that Paul went through, we realize, okay, I can, I can get through this through Christ. So uh, this is 2 Corinthians 11, uh, beginning in verse number 22. Paul speaking about the Judaizing false teachers. He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. You know, Paul was more of a minister in Christ, and and here's how he's going to prove it. In labors more abundant, in stripes, and that's talking about beatings, in stripes more uh, above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches, that is all the congregations that he worked with, he truly cared about them. And so that weighed on him, the Apostle Paul. Man, Paul went through a lot, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You think about, and it's so interesting, man, from Second Corinthians 4, Paul calls it light. <laughs> Yeah, this light of flame because his perspective was so different to where he's like, I understand I'm not trying to hide these things that I'm going through and that you may go through by even associating with Christ and with me. But his his view of who Christ was and the reward that can be given. This is I mean, this is light compared to what what heaven's going to be. You know, you, yep. you brought the basketball example in the beginning. All that running, once you win, it's like you you say in your now you don't do it, but in your mind you say, "Man, I do it again." Wait, you go through all those hard days and all that because this is worth it. So Paul is realizing that he understands. Look, heaven 
and just the opportunity, not just heaven, but the opportunity for me to suffer with Christ, that is light. That is light. And the more we mature in Christ, we we really begin to see, man, this thing, Chase, as you as you know, this thing's really not about us at all. You know, it's not about me, it's not about my talent, it's not about it's not about what I could do. I'm not saying those things are necessarily wrong in of itself, but like it's got nothing to do with me. Galatians, Galatians two twenty. There you go. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't it interesting that, about that with Paul, man? As you're living, you're learning to die yep. twice. Well, that's, Physically, but as that's you're what's living, expected you're of us. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting, man. It's like it's a, it's a humbling concept once you start to understand what Jesus really said. It's like you're really going to find it. I promise you, you'll find your life if you lose it. Yep. You'll find it. Great point. I'm going to move on to uh, Peter. Mm. So Peter is an interesting character, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, I like to give Peter a hard time. Can't help it. <laughs> he is a wonderful, obviously wonderful Christian and zealous as can be. But Peter has some moments. <laughs> we'll, we'll say it that way. You know, I think about when he and and Jesus were walking on the water, and then he takes his eyes off of him and starts to sink. And I just want—I wonder what went through through Jesus's mind when Peter's sitting there sinking and and panicking, and oh no, I'm about to drown. And so, uh, you know, of course, we know the rest of the story, and and Peter ends up just fine. But another thing that I think about on Peter is, uh, of course, Jesus told him, "Hey, look, you're before the." Rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And, of course, Peter says, no way, paraphrasing. But Peter's like, ah, I'm not going to deny you. And then it happens. And then Luke 22, verse 61, to me, this is one of the most haunting verses in the Bible. I can't imagine what Peter felt in this verse. Luke 22, verse 61, it says, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And I just cannot imagine the amount of disappointment the amount of, I told you you were going to do that, Peter. And I can't imagine what Peter must have felt at that moment. I think I think it says he, I don't have it before me, but I think he ended up going out and, and weeping after that. He wept bitterly, yeah. Yeah, he, he wept bitterly after he had denied Jesus like that. So mm -hmm. the, the question I want to throw out there is this. What if Peter... He goes out and he, he weeps bitterly. What if he throws in the towel right there? Mm. And he says, I, you know, the grief of what he had done, the sin, terrible, wow. denying the Lord, cursing, and, and flat out denying that he was a follower of Christ. What if he had, in his grief, said, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I give mm -hmm. up. You, you think about Acts chapter 2 and Peter not being there. Mm -hmm. And you think about all these other things that we remember about Peter. He gave us two epistles, first and second Peter, and wonderful encouragement in both of those epistles. What if Peter had thrown in the towel? Here's, here's what's crazy about that, Chase, is that's now we understand the account. It didn't happen, but it could have happened because Judas did it. Yeah. You know, Judas did it. So it's not like Peter was immune. It's possible right. that, he, that he could have. But yeah. the fact yeah. of 
and I wish we could get a little bit more of his mindset during those times of what was he thinking? How how was he grieving? We understand he went bitterly, but how? You know what I mean? Yeah. How was he how was he doing that? Um, but I love the fact that it shows Peter in that vulnerable state. And I love the fact that before Acts chapter two, especially, you know, John 21, Acts one, you see Jesus' pursuit of Peter. Yeah. And that that kind of that stuff to me, Chase, I can't fathom that. For Jesus, for God to look at you face to face and you you betrayed him. And for him to pursue you when you're the one at fault. Yeah. And he's still because remember when he was resurrected, remember what Jesus said? He said, Go tell Peter too. Yep. Go go tell him. And it, it's it's amazing to me to know that that the shepherd is constantly pursuing the sheep. So so understand, I think that's an important point for uh, your listeners, Chase, is if you've let God down, join the join the club. Yeah. You know, I man, I, I can't tell you, Chase, how many times I've let the Lord down, I've let people down. Cannot tell you. It's it's almost I can't count it. I can't count it. But the fact that God continues to pursue. And it, it changes who you are when someone does that to you, man. God, God does that for me and a brother or a sister or family or whatever a case might be. They did that to me. I understand, but man, the Lord pursued me too. The Lord forgave yep. me too. The Lord cared for me too. The Lord went after me too. You know, so it changes. And I love, I love that we get the example of Peter. And I understand the the, the tragedy of Judas. And I think that's the that's the fork in the road that all of us are. When I fail my brethren or when I fail God, I will either go the Judas route and just completely go. I'm done. Or I will go the Peter route and I will weep bitterly. But I won't quit this thing. And, yeah. I, and I understand yeah. man, quitting is hard. I mean, it's 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 easy to just, you know, what, I'm done. I think I'm done with this. Yeah. But to, but to keep going and endure man yeah i think also with peter i mean that you know after christ was crucified you know at one point i think it's in the john account peter says i'm going fishing you know i'm just yeah. going back yeah. to fishing. Going fishing and you know you get the feeling that he was just exasperated he was just mm -hmm. he was just he was trying to process everything and of course jesus ends up being resurrected and showing himself again to them but I can relate to Peter uh, on these sorts of things. All of us should be able to. Another thing I think is important for us as Christians is we need to all be humble. Mm -hmm. And, you know, somebody says, uh, well, I would never forsake the Lord. Uh, we need to examine ourselves frequently yeah, and make sure. Right. Because uh, here's a great sermon, Matthew 26, verse 56. It says, then all the disciples forsook him and mm -hmm. fled. And we need to humble ourselves and realize, hey, we're not immune to that. You know, mm -hmm. if we don't watch ourselves, if we don't uh, examine ourselves, if we don't continue in the faith, then we could very well be in danger of forsaking Jesus mm -hmm. and and fleeing him just like they did. Matthew 26, verse 56. I mean, Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. And that's the idea of abandoning Jesus, if you look at it in the Greek. Mm -hmm. And then it goes on and it talks about those who have done that. They trample the Son of God underfoot. And somebody says, well, 
I wouldn't forsake Jesus, but yet they're in the deer stand on Sunday morning instead of worshiping with the saints or, you know, they're, they're skipping worship to go to the sporting event, you know, things like that. I think we need to humble ourselves and make sure again, examine ourselves as Paul says, and make sure that we're in the faith. And I think too, Chase, some people struggle, not just those things that you mentioned, but I think some people struggle with the fact of no one in this life has ever pursued me. So what's the point? So people are so used to, oh yeah, they leave. Okay, that's it is what it is. You know, oh well, this is just my life. Oh, this is how I've grown up. Well, this this is what always happens. And so I don't think people, I don't think people can really fathom that when you fail, someone is pursuing you. E- even when you're doing things right, someone is pursuing you, and that's a different type of love that that some people have never even, they've never seen it. They've never seen it physically. And so now, wait, Jesus pursues me. Jesus wants to look at Peter. You know, and and I'm reminded of what Peter, he's the perfect person to write this. But 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8, you know, Jesus or Peter goes through that list, you know, besides his giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, all these things that he lists. Peter didn't have any of those. Yeah. You know what I mean? He had none of those. But just imagine Peter as an elder now. And this is what he's saying. This is what you need for your faith. Yep. This is it. Peter is a perfect case study of of Christian growth because you see him at his starting point, and some of the yeah. times he puts his foot in his mouth and he he does the wrong thing. But he comes a long way by the time you get to uh, the end of of God's word. So mm-hmm. uh, we're we're almost out of time. We didn't have time to uh, get to David. I had him on my outline as well. But, you know, if you think about some of the struggles that David faced in the Old Testament, he had a lot of enemies, a lot, you know, his own family in, in many cases, enemies to him. And so go study the, the book of Psalms, and you'll see that a lot. You'll see how David had to deal with that. But he didn't give up. He was a man after God's own heart. And so any final thoughts, uh, Jordan, before we wrap this episode up? Yeah, here's, here's the final thought that I have on all these guys that we've seen in Scripture. <clears throat> when we talk about uh, the struggle is real. One thing that uh, the Lord is cultivating within us, you know, we, we think about the Old Testament with Moses, with Joshua. The Lord always tells him, be strong, right? Specifically with Joshua too. Remember, be strong and courageous. Be strong. <clears throat> we have this, um, I think, misconception at times that in order for God to view me as a strong Christian, everything that comes my way because he told them to be strong. So I'm handling it by being strong. The Lord, especially what Paul wrote, the Lord is cultivating weakness within us. So he's not cultivating a mindset of you have to carry everything. He's trying to cultivate a humble mindset and he's trying to get us and put him in front. And in order for him to be in front, you have to admit I'm weak. And that's one thing, especially being an athlete and being sometimes my own pride and ego can get in the way. Um, and that competitive nature, I get in my way because I have that attitude that, well, I'm strong, I'll carry it. The Lord's taught me, he's teaching me, not taught, he's teaching me. The Lord's trying to cultivate weakness. I can't do it, but I know you can. So whatever you want to do, use me and what you're doing. And I think for you, for you guys that are listening, Understand that you're not uh, 
you're not missing it. Understand you're not getting it wrong. Understand that you're not you're not weak. You're not this. You're not that. The Lord is doing a good work in you, but you have to let him work. And I know sometimes it may look weak to others. It may look light to others. It may look like you're less of this and less of that to others. But if you let the Lord cultivate that weakness, you will be stronger than any yeah. person can be. And not not for comparison, but you'll be stronger because you have Christ. Yeah, it goes back to that fellow you mentioned at the the uh, youth event. You know, he talks about all these things that are meekness with an M mm-hmm. and, you know, turn yeah. the other cheek and, and different things like that. And, you know, perhaps experiencing some pushback from friends and family of, oh, come on, you know, that's weak. No, meekness is strength okay. under control. And that's what mm-hmm. Christ demands of us. We see it multiple times in his teaching. So uh, let's just let's keep the humil- humility that we're supposed to have. Let's keep our eyes on Christ. Again, Hebrews 12, verse 2, and let's keep running that race with endurance. Jordan, I really appreciate you for uh, helping us with these yeah. couple episodes. It's been awesome, man. I've appreciated it. It's been great. You're doing a great work here, man. You just you have no idea who, who who you could help. That one person that may need this, it's an incredible thing, man. So, you know, keep serving the Lord, dude. I appreciate that. You you as well. And uh, we appreciate our listeners for tuning in as always. And we hope that you will continue with us next week as we continue our study of The Struggle is Real.